You're listening to the Core Stories podcast. These are stories about lives that intersect with Jesus. I'm Emily, the Communications Director at Otter Creek Church. Marilyn Switzer, a longtime member at Otter Creek, and in fact, one of four generations of Otter Creekers, she comes from a diverse family theologically and shares about that tension and embracing her own childlike faith. My name is Marilyn Switzer. I've been at Otter Creek for 40 years, and we have two children. I'm married to Ken, who's a shepherd here, and we have three wonderful grandchildren. So I do walking tours of downtown Nashville for school kids studying Tennessee history. So I've been doing that 33 school years. And my mom goes here. We have four generations here at Otter Creek. I grew up in Nashville, in East Nashville. I had um, four siblings, 23 years difference between the oldest and the youngest, and I'm right in the middle. I went to a very conservative Church of Christ church. My parents were less conservative, and so we had a better balance than if they had been as conservative as the church itself was. But I had a wonderful childhood. I mean, we lived in a small house, um, never did all all five kids live in the house at the same time because of the age span. I'm the only one that's lived in the house with everybody. So that's um, an interesting dynamic to be in the family. So yeah, it was a good life. Just We were all pretty much in the same economic boat and you rode your bike all over the neighborhood and friends in the neighborhood. So it was wonderful. The older I get, the more I know I don't know, if that makes any sense. As I get older, I have those days where I'm like, what is this about? And is all this that I say I believe, is it even true? So I have, now as I'm older, well, I have a brother that committed suicide. And um, he was an agnostic. I have a brother that is um, an atheist. And I, I have great respect for both of them, and especially the one that's the atheist. He did not arrive at that flippantly. And so I have conversations with him. And when I have the conversations, I walk away and I'm like, he cannot believe as much as I cannot not believe. So there's a big problem for me right there. And so I just have to trust that the cross covers all of that. I just, I can't, it doesn't create anything positive in our relationship if I try to force him to believe. (laughs) Does that make any sense? And so um, that that makes me have questions. And I have another brother that passed away two years ago, and he believed in God, but he sure did not believe in organized religion because he was so wounded by our childhood church. And he was just like, I don't have anything to do with that. And just that kind of uh, variety within five children in a family is because church is just so important to me. And it's, it's an interesting thing to watch. And so you do question this brother that I looked up to and you know, loomed large in my life, my whole life, and he just didn't believe what I believed, but he was raised like I was raised. And it's like, well, maybe... I have a very childlike faith, and so sometimes you you think, well, maybe I'm just childish, 
And so, yeah, I have those. I have those questions, but I always come around to, I figure Jesus covers it all. That's how I feel that it was done on the cross. My husband says I have the, the mind of a fourth grade boy, and I love you know I love to catch anything on fire. I love to blow things up in the microwave. I love to do those kinds of things, and so I guess it's that same personality characteristic that makes me have no problem with believing that Jonah lived in the belly of a whale. It just, I have no problem with the virgin birth. I have no problem with the resurrection. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's just a kind of childlike, I never was one to ask a lot of questions. I'm not, like, I raised a son who asked questions about everything. I never was. I just accepted what people, and that gets me in trouble when you accept what people tell you, because not everybody is going to be honest and and take care of your feelings or your thoughts by being honest. And so I can I can really get myself into some interesting places by trusting people that really are not trustworthy. But again, I figure if I do that, Jesus will redeem that for me if my heart is in the right place in trusting them. I had a car wreck when I was in college, and I was not seriously injured, but I had a lot of injuries. I had broken ribs. My knees were a mess, shoulder and neck injuries. And when I arrived at the emergency room in the ambulance, the emergency room was jam-packed because there had been a an explosion in a warehouse earlier that morning. And Vanderbilt was the only place anybody went at that point if you had injuries. So when we got to the emergency room, they had no place to put me. And they just put me on a gurney and left me out in the hall, which there were police officers and firefighters and doctors and nurses running back and forth. The waiting room was overflowing with people. So I'm, you know, I'm 21 years old, lying on this stretcher, bleeding, wounded, in the middle of total chaos in my mind, and uh, alone, and I was afraid. And um, I heard my dad, my, my friend who had been in the wreck with me, called my dad, and I heard him ask where I was. And he walked over, and he kissed me, and he said, I'm here. And that's that's what Jesus does to me. He, he takes that chaos, and he uses it as an opportunity to reorganize. He... Um, binds those injuries. He calms our fears and he tells us, I'm, you know, I'm here. You're not by yourself. And I love the creative ways in which he does it through the reading the Bible or praying or just those whisperings of the Holy Spirit that guide us or some beautiful piece of scenery or people in our lives. And that day and lots of days in my life, Jesus showed up and it was my dad who, who was there. And that's what I love. I mean, he just, he shows up. And then he can redeem things because that was not one of the best days of my life. But as a result of that, I had missed part of a short quarter in college. And I borrowed notes from this tall, handsome history major. And we'll have our 43rd wedding anniversary in two weeks. So that was a redemption of what I thought was a really bad day. <laughs> so... You know how they, um, the little tagline on Sunday mornings where they say, we're church becoming more like Jesus, whoever does the welcome. That's a new tagline to me, having been here for so long. But that sentiment is not. 
And in 40 years of being at Otter Creek, you can imagine that as a couple and as a family of four, we've lived a lot of life. We've had um, marvelous experiences, joyful times. We've had some really bone-crushing sadness in our family. But more, we've had just that tedium of day-in, day-out life that creates a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety in life. And Jesus has shown up in our lives over and over again in the form of these people at Otter Creek. I do believe that most of the people at Otter Creek leave themselves open and say, you know, Jesus, send me where you want to send me. Or, and it doesn't have to be to Africa. It can be within these four walls. And so they've shown up in our lives through notes and emails and texts and meals. And one year it was a Christmas tree because we had young children. We couldn't afford a Christmas tree. And somebody left one on the front porch. Um, one year they paid a group of people, I don't know who, paid our mortgage for six months because Ken had lost his job. Um, they've shown up for milestone birthdays, particularly for my mom because um, she's not. she'll be 93 this year. And they've shown up at the funeral home when people, and, and it's just, you know, a well-placed word. Or for me, what I more often need is that well-placed silence and it's just a sitting beside. And Otter Creek has done that for us, and I love that. And the other thing I love about Otter Creek is um, this recognition of and appreciation for the different um, spiritual gifts that people have. I was in, recently I've been asked to be on the board of Living Water, and I was at the, my first board meeting a couple of weeks ago, and most of the board meeting was about finance. And finance for me is me cashing a check for $100 and deciding if I want 10s or 20s. I mean, that's about as financial as I get. And so that whole meeting, I was like, I don't even know what they're talking about. This is so hard. I don't get this. What am I doing here? And I made a comment, and it wasn't it wasn't false modesty or self-deprecating. It was just the truth. I didn't understand a lot of what was talked about. And the person that responded to me didn't say, oh, well, you know, what is it you don't understand? Or do you need me to explain it to you again? Or don't say that about yourself. They didn't say that. They said, that's fine. We have people here who understand the financials. We need your gifts. And that's, I, I think we do that at Otter Creek. I have a favorite quote. It's, um, comparison is the thief of joy. And I think that that is never more true. Because if you look at your spiritual gifts, but you're looking at somebody else's and you think yours is not as big or wonderful as theirs, you rob yourself of the joy of using the gift that God gave you. And we, I think we recognize that and appreciate it at Otter Creek. And there's a natural consequence of that. I've watched it over 40 years. If you come to Otter Creek with a big old ego, you're not going to fare well here. You're just not because no minister, no staff, no person is all that at Otter Creek. Jesus is the only one that's all that at Otter Creek. And I think that's good and right. And I want to be part of a church like that. And I love that about this place. You know, I came to Otter Creek when I was 25 years old. So I've grown up here. My kids grew up here. And um, I've been only part of two other churches, which were lovely, beautiful places. But there's something so special here for me at Otter Creek. And, I mean, I could probably tell story after story of the times that people have shown up and been there and people that we've lost. We have such 
a rich heritage. Um, I'm so glad to be <clears throat> that part of my cloud of witnesses is Bud and Bernie Arnold and John and Ruth Rucker and the Carnes and the Swindells and the Huffs. And those are names that a lot of people that are going to listen to this podcast are going to go, I have no idea who she's talking about. But they are the bedrock of this church. And Otter Creek is like it is, I think, because of the way they started it and the way the Armstrongs and the Brandons and how they shepherded this church early on. And I've seen good times and bad times here. We used to joke. There was a time when we would flip a coin and see who had to stay home with a sick child. And then there were times when we flipped a coin to see who got to stay home on Sunday mornings with the sick child because you're just like, but Ken has taught me, if you don't like what's going on, don't pull away, just invest more. But always when Jesus is a sinner, it, it, it survives and thrives, I think. So, but that's, that, I guess that's it. Jesus just, he's just there. If we're paying attention, always right there. Core Stories is a ministry of the Otter Creek Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. To find more stories, go to ottercreek.org stories and follow us on Instagram at Otter Creek Church.